Welcome to Permaculture Freedom Podcast. My name is Cody and I'm your host. This is a show about cultivating freedom in our lives so we can be our best self. Freedom to live a beautiful, regenerative lifestyle that inspires our families, our friends, and our community. To transform our lives and reconnect to nature within. It's a revival of our roots. Roots that run deep into the earth. We were born for this time. We were born for this time. Thanks for joining me on this beautiful journey. Thanks for showing up. Casey is a Minneapolis bike commuter that works in grocery. He studied food systems and the environment at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and his interests include gardening, beekeeping, landscaping, natural building, playing music, and rock climbing. Just want to say welcome to the show, Casey. Really appreciate you being here today. Thanks for having me on, Cody. Glad that I could be here. Yes. And as we were saying before we started recording here, I think it's just incredible that we're connecting at this time, given our connection to the Twin Cities and what's going on in the world right now in our neck of the woods. Um, I'd love to talk more about that, but you know, why don't we get started? Just just tell tell listeners a little bit more about yourself and who you are and what sort of work you've been doing in the world. All right. Yeah, great. It is an interesting time um, these days. So, but I'll I'll, I'll start out by um, my name is Casey. I, I I don't own a car. I live in Minneapolis, so I I bike everywhere I go. I I work at Trader Joe's and. I, um, I'm, let's see, I have experienced beekeeping, gardening, landscaping, uh, natural building. I'm, I'm very into permaculture and, and plants. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, I mean that's 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 kind of how you and I I connected through the kind of the right. permaculture community around mm-hmm. the Twin Cities, and you know you've been been a part of that for the past few years, and I know you've also studied other places and you know done experiential workshops and different things like that. And I'd love to know, you know, what what sort of experiences like that led you to discovering permaculture. Mm. So yeah, before I had even heard of permaculture, I was always, I loved being in the outdoors. Uh, I was in, I was in the Boy Scouts and I, as a kid, I didn't really like all the merit badge stuff, but I loved the camping and, and that, and being out in nature. And, and from, from there, I guess, uh, I started to, I, studied geography and 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 food systems because i i realized that food was a very important part of how we interrelate with with nature but my university studies were how do i say it 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 got really really kind of depressing knowing that 
all of the agriculture and the food systems that I am indirectly a part of just by eating are degrading the landscape around me. And, and mm -hmm. so that was where there were no real positive solution uh, solutions that I had heard of until after I graduated. Then I heard about permaculture and mm -hmm. that really was the first time that I had heard anybody talk of a proactive solution to large-scale environmental degradation and yeah I was all about it I jumped on board so but even before that I was trying to work with uh, small farmers connecting them to connecting them to large-scale institutions such as schools and hospitals to try to get fresh produce in, into those places. Just trying, just trying to establish connections. Is, is it was, so there was a lot of networking. And, uh, and I, you know, while that was, like, meaningful and very good work that needs to be done, I, I found myself I, – I grew up in the city – I had no real experience growing food and I, I wanted to get my hands in the dirt. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know what that was like. And so then I, uh, I went on a couple year journey on, uh, along the West coast, um, jumping from farm to farm, uh, with the organization called Woof worldwide, worldwide, uh, or, organic farming mm -hmm. or, or opportunities on organic farms and that was great and and then i and i learned a bunch about about the about how hard it was to be a small farmer and in in my journey i also took a permaculture design course it was a it was a long extensive permaculture design course and, and 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 through that i got to be a part of a couple several projects that were permaculture based um they 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 didn't pan out for various reasons which i'm i'm sure we'll be talking about later mm -hmm. but that was that was how i really found out about permaculture and it, it's it's changed my life definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in in what way? Uh, definitely becoming more mindful of of our impacts on the environment, mm -hmm. and but coming at that from a proactive solution, and and re really trying to re envision how we build communities. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's our networks, it's our local networks that are really powerful in providing long-lasting change at the grassroots level. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So that's, you know, it's been on my mind. I've been trying to make it more of a, you know, more of a livelihood, but it's, you know, it's, it's hard to get 
it's hard to get paid for. Um, so it's a, such a new thing. It's almost like it's a very entrepreneurial um, place to be. And sometimes that doesn't always, always pan out. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, to me, it sounds like there's a strong connecting thread, you know, in that journey that you told us about of, you know, connecting people with food and by extension with nature, right. You know, starting right, out with right. Boy Scouts and having those experiences, uh, you know, with, you know, so many guests on the show talk about those experiences when they were younger of having those, you know, connections with, with nature and being crucial, you know, it's establishing that emotional connection, that love for protecting that and, and preserving it to then carry over to whatever it is they do as adults. And, you know, I, yeah, I see a very strong thread connecting your work in, in food systems and connecting with farmers and just really immersing yourself in different, different links in, in that, that chain, or should I say, you know, different strands in that web um to to connect people back to back to nature and back to the food this universal thing and i can certainly identify with that too i mean megan and i have also been wolfing and i'm, I'm curious i i wanted to ask because i haven't asked you before what were some of the places that you were wolfing at on the west coast any what were the farms like what sort of things were going on projects different mm. things like that <clears throat> yeah so i'm not gonna probably I'm not going to name any names. I, I I will name names when they're an organization, but I um sure. I was I was um the the first farm that I went to was as a is a gorgeous beautiful farm just outside of Carmel, California. They were it was an it was a lemon orchard. And there was also uh, a small apiary on the farm. Apiary is honeybees. Uh, producing honey and so I, I was living there for about four months or so and that was that was a really great experience it was I, I, I will say that um, I was definitely you know o- uh, overworked you might say or <laughs> how do you say it I, I definitely learned a lot but yep. there was definitely um, how do you say it it's sweat uh, yeah there was definitely a lot of work involved yeah. and uh, yeah whether whether or not that's a, a fair uh trade off is um, debatable but mm-hmm. at, at, at the time i was Gung ho and 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 ready to get get my hands in the dirt. Yeah. Um, but in 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 that, I was looking back. I I I was doing things that I definitely should not have been doing for my own safety. Mm-hmm. Sure. And then from from there, um, I, it was it was a beautiful experience. I don't want to like get any wrong thoughts about that it was it was it was it was it was great uh, i just i was just working very very hard mm-hmm. and from there i ended up going to 
uh, a place, it's an alternative skills school called Aprovecho. It's over in Oregon, just south of Eugene. Oh yeah, we've talked about this one before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and so from there, I was I was whiffing on their on their in their garden. I was taking care of their garden and growing food for the students in their program. They they host multiple different programs, um, natural building, alternative alternative living skills, um, permaculture design and alternative technology. Um, and that was, that was, that whole experience at Aprovet Show was really life-changing. Um, and then from, 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 from working on their garden all, most, all, all summer really, I, I got involved in their permaculture course which is a six week long intensive permaculture course. So I, I took that and, and I just didn't want to leave. It was such a, a beautiful experience. There was, it was, this was my first experience also of being in a in community mm-hmm. that shared similar ideas and vision. And because for so long I had felt kind of, alone and then anyone i had mentioned permaculture to they're like what <laughs> and, and and it was just not um well known where where i was coming from yeah so it uh, that experience was was really powerful and that, that like okay i'm not just some crazy hippie trying to you know change the way things are in, mm-hmm. in, in, in agriculture there's the actual um and and it was, i learned a whole bunch about living and working what it means to really live and work in a community together um and 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 from there i i stayed for most of the winter uh as as a natural building intern there and I, so i learned a bunch about natural building and w- that we were doing straw clay insulation, um, clay plasters, clay paints. We were building uh, wood-fired rocket mass heaters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all, all all sorts of things. Decks, um, all using natural materials, though. Uh, yeah, straw and clay mainly. Yeah, and sand. So and and then from there I had gotten word of another project that was kind of forgotten about over on the eastern side of Oregon. Um and this was a nine not over nine hundred acres of of habitat restoration for beaver populations that had kind of just been forgotten about by the, it seems, or in kind of disarray, but it was a really beautiful place to be. It was, it was amazing to see because out, out in that area, the landscape, the, 
the BLM Bureau of Land Management, uh, their policy towards land management out there is open grazing. So cows have access to everything. And so it, everywhere you see is primarily desert. It's very degraded and, and the stream banks are all destroyed uh, except this property it was just 900 acres they had fenced the whole thing off to cattle so there was no cattle and the regrowth in this place was really amazing they they fenced it off um, 20 at this point it's probably like 25 years ago but the streams have returned to flowing all year which mm-hmm. doesn't happen in the surrounding landscape, um, but it was it was it was really powerful uh, testament to what landscape management the landscape management has an effect on um, the environmental diversity and ecosystem establishment, and in 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 my workings with them, I also came into contact with. Uh, the Alan Savory organization of mm-hmm. holistic land management. And I was able to visit uh, a farm that was really on, on the, on the, on the cutting edge of, of that holistic land management. And it was, it was impressive uh, mm-hmm. that, that had, that, that had totally turned around all of my university studies saying that, you know, cows are the number one degradation mm-hmm. uh, n- number two's degradation of the environment they mm-hmm. you know produce methane and it burns the ozone and they destroy the environment <clears throat> you know everyone's heard about CAFOs and yep and whatnot but here's somebody that's using cattle to restore the land the, the land is healthier. There's more worms in the, in, in the soil. The grass is healthier. They don't have to water. Mm-hmm. This, is, this isn't desert. And they don't have to water at all. The, the fence line is very distinct um, as, as far as management practices go. Their neighbors, it was, it was dry. And this is a brittle environment. And it, yeah. was, it, was, it was falling apart. But their lot was so green and lush. Mm. Uh, it really, it really spoke volumes, and and was like to me, it said, you know what, this is this is this is a tool, and the problem is not the cattle, it's the people and their understanding of these systems. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, but, I'm so yeah, I'm glad yeah. to hear that. That scene is believing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and that really, it hit it home for me as like okay, this is, this is, this is real. Yeah. Um, this is not something that's just being, you know, uh, talked about and, mm-hmm. and, and not being tested or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up. Cause you know, <laughs> one of the questions I was going to ask you about these experiences is, you know, you, you were working in food systems and you were learning about it and you, you know, learned about permaculture and you got really excited about something that was very solution focused. And then, when you, you know, actually got on the ground and experienced these different spaces and projects, did, you know, did this really live up to what you 
were you know hearing about and and reading learning about you know did it kind of live up to that and where yeah what sort of places did it fall short yeah so on the um on the environmental side and and the, and the strategies like absolutely we i mean this really proved to me that we have the tools we have the knowledge of how to do this but in every situation every place that i went to it always seemed as though and i'm with the exception of this um property with the holistic man land management because i was just a visiting i i had i did not stay there I, I was just a visitor there for the day um and so i can't speak to anything about them but in all of my long longer term stays at you know permaculture places or projects i mean to this day the number one we have i've been in situations where everybody has the skill sets the knowledge all of that is is there the hardest part is how do we work together how do we form a common vision mm -hmm. and how do we take proactive steps to make that a thing yeah um so really skill sets in 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 working together conflict resolution and organize organizing just mm. the people part of permaculture is um, where i found needs the most help yeah and what, the most focused that is what, oftentimes overlooked yeah in my experience yeah completely agree with you was was that something that you did experience on on this journey of you know exploring different spaces you know you you mentioned the community aspect at Aprovecho, mm -hmm. um maybe some other places too was that was that something that you got to experience and you know maybe cultivate more skill in or was that something lacking Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> you know, in, in, in some places I, at, at Aprovecho, I, I, I definitely learned a lot of skills in working together as a community because, and because everyone was so focused and, and together we, we met every morning and decided you know, cooperatively, like what we're going to do and, and, and different structures for organization. Um, that was really enlightening to me because I had never, I had never been a part of anything like that before mm -hmm. um, where I was, but things start to break down if you don't, constantly check in with each other and mm -hmm. I've noticed this on almost all of all of my travels is you know they they it doesn't matter how beautiful the landscape or it 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 it, it can feel like a health if people are not working together and it it, it destroys everything mm. um I don't know if I answered your question but yeah, wow. I, I, I did I did learn some skills 
definitely in, in, in conflict resolution and working together as a group towards a common goal. But uh, I was just beginning to, to learn how to do this and I was not equipped to deal with the situations that I have, uh, I was a part of at that time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I, I, I would say, yeah, I, I would agree from our own experience too. I mean, for us also doing similar experiences on the West Coast and, and other places around the country, we have also, you know, experienced different things like that. And I, I was going to say, you know, one thing that seems to get in the way with, with community, with groups is this, uh, that common ground that, and that shared sense of ownership for a, a space and a place. And, you know, that tends to be lacking, um, in, in general, in a lot of short-term projects and, and because of the bigger systems that are in place with land ownership and, you know, zoning and so many other different Mm -hmm. elements that weigh into this, you know, you are naturally going to run into that kind of conflict. Um, And then, you know, there's examples like that are more structured from the beginning, like eco villages and intentional communities. And um, I know you mentioned a little bit about eco villages was, were, you know, were those kind of things, you know, I mean, I'm, I don't know if you'd consider Aprovecho that or not, if they call themselves by that, but were there places like that that you came across that maybe there were a little bit more shared sense of ownership and and long-term, you know, rootedness with the space and the project and the community and the village culture? Absolutely. Um, There was one spot that I had went to uh, over in Washington that was an eco village over there and they've been um, an eco village for quite some time now uh, um and that I, I i did take a tour of this eco village and um the name is is escaping me right at this moment but it was it was really cool to see um, the structures that they had in place to um, to function, and and I, and I think that's part of their why they're still around. And one of the biggest things that I've found that of the, of the places that seem to do the best is um, the a lot of the eco villages that I've been to have set up land trusts. Yeah. So it's not a space that any one person owns. Um, that the that the, the land has a set of. Um, practices or um, that the land has rules on Mm -hmm. which of which people are to abide by if 
they are to inhabit that space. Mm-hmm. So and then there's a land trust, which is a separate entity that is, it's kind of like a board, mm-hmm. board of members, uh, not, not, not of people that even live there. It's, it's, it's more of like a, a group that looks after the land and, and, and pays the dues and, mm-hmm. and all of that and deals with some of the, the, the finances and stuff. And, and so that in itself deals with issues of, you know, founder syndrome or, um, or, uh, and it establishes a means of making decisions also. uh, Yeah. A a literal common ground. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And having an ability and a very clearly established conflict resolution, um, where, you know, which is step by step. If, if this happens, then this, and then this, and then this, and then Mm -hmm. eventually if there's no resolution, then, you know, this is the, so that everything is upfront, clear, everything's written down in paper and everyone has already previously agreed to, to the, the statutes and limitations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, that was one thing that I've found that has helped. That that model and and that model, you know yeah yeah, yeah, yeah I mean exactly. everybody being on the same page right literally right spelled spelled out clearly yeah yeah well yeah that that's really interesting I I'd love to know you know for, so from that experience out out west and you know going to these different spaces and learning different skills. Um, you know, what, what brought you, brought you to the Twin Cities? Well, it was, um, I grew up in the Twin Cities. I have family here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I had, when I left, I had no intention of coming back. In my travels, uh, I ended up bouncing from project to project or farm to farm. And, and I got, eventually I got a little bit dissuaded from working for free everywhere. Everywhere I go, I was working for free, basically. I mean, for, for, for food and a place for trade. To stay. Yeah, totally. For food and a place to stay mainly, but, um, I was not receiving any sort of a wage um, at any of these farms or for any of the work that I was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, for I would pick up, you know, side jobs along the way, but those were off of the farm. Yep. You know, people that I had met or, you know, to repair a roof or something yep. that were just, you know, maybe his neighbors or something, but yep. um, just to keep me going. But I got a little bit, um, I, I didn't know how I was going to, 
was, I was going to do anything. I got a little bit lost and I knew that I had a job and a place to stay in Minneapolis to come back to. Yeah. Uh, and bouncing around from place to place, eventually I, yeah, I needed somewhere to, to just be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, I have a question for you yeah. and I don't mean to put you on the spot about it, but I'm just curious. I'd love to know, you know, if you had to choose between the education that you got from, you know, higher education, it was Wisconsin mm-hmm. Madison versus yeah. the experiential education you got. Um, cause you know, you were, you were working for free essentially, but it was a trade, right. For room and board, yeah, absolutely. right. You know, good food and beautiful place and hard, hard work. I know from my own experience, but, um, yeah, I'm just curious, which, which would you choose as far as some of the lessons or skills that you've taken with you? Oh, I, I, I wish, I wish that I would have done what I did after college before even going to, to college. And it would have really, it would have left me in, 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 in a, in a, in a better place. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, you know, I want to keep studying and I wanted to keep doing stuff, you know, after I graduated from college, I want to keep studying. I want to keep doing stuff. I, I got all of these ideas, but, all of a sudden, like, you know what? It hits home. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta pay for these loans. You, you gotta, gotta pay the like, bills. You got bills to pay. Yeah. Um, and so you can only, you know, travel around and work for free for so long. Exactly. But if, if, in, if I did that before college, I would have been able to, I don't know. I, I feel like, um, I would have had a little bit more direction and a little bit more freedom. Yeah. Um, and maybe even more of a willingness to, <laughs> to really make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I asked that question kind of in, in interest in myself. Question. Yeah. In, in myself too. Cause there's so much of what you're saying I, I see in myself and I felt the same exact way. You know, I went to Europe and, I went to different countries and experienced so many different things mm. and um, farming and I've done so many different jobs. And it's like, if I, you know, I, and when I was in Europe, I met a lot of younger folks that were traveling from all sorts of countries around the world, if not just countries around Europe. And, you know, they yeah. were on their gap year, or their, right. their year, you know, after high school or some right. sort of higher level education before a university. Um, if they chose to, they were just traveling and learning and some of them were apprenticing. Some of them were just traveling and having fun and partying, whatever. But that being said, you know, I, I completely agree with you. It's like, you just, you'd, you'd go in with a little bit more level head and a little more clarity to know your direction. And, uh, I, I certainly felt that at that time in my life too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I don't regret my time at the university. Yeah. It did not, um, it did not give me the skills or, I mean, it, it, it might have in, in, indirectly, but, uh, the financial burden of that is, 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 is really, 
it, it's, it's heavy. I, and I, yeah. I, if, if, if I can recommend to anybody just coming out of high school, just take some time for yourself. Yeah. Figure out what you really want to do and, and do it. Don't, don't, don't get into this straight path. I got to go to college and that's otherwise nothing's going to pan out for me. That's far from the truth. It's, it's, it's yeah. really about how, how hard are you willing to work for this? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's so true. I mean, it, it is this, this kind of linear conveyor belt of continuously working for, for other people, for other things bigger than yourself. And I love that, you know, that's the way you put it of take that time for yourself, for, you know, for some of us for the first time in our lives. Yeah. 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 Always being told what to do and what, what you need to do. Yeah. And where to be and what, you know, being in your seat and waiting for the bell and all that stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Completely agree. Well, you know, hopefully that didn't take us off too much of a tangent there, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad yeah. you could answer that. Thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, that, the, so some of those things that brought you to, back to the twin cities where you grew up, um, you know, coming home, what was that like? Uh, you, it was, you kinda, it was hard. It yeah. was really hard. It was, it was, it was very, very, very difficult. It was a completely different world that I was coming back into mm-hmm. one that I had known, but coming back, after my experiences had, you know, just shined a light on how, how messed up <laughs> everything is. Um, and, 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 uh, I just, yeah, it was hard. I, I, I laid, I laid down, I, I put my head down and I, um, I worked I worked hard and I, I, I don't know. It was, it was, it was difficult. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. Cause everywhere I went at, 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 at you know, at, at the time I had a large head of dreads as well. And out on the West coast. As you do. At, 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 out on the West coast that was, yep. and traveling around, that was, that was fine. But when, when I came back here, uh, it was hard. I got really depressed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. I had, yeah. But uh, you know, I, I, I'm fine. I found my roots here in in Minneapolis now, and and and, and I can see these things just starting to grow. So it, it's not here, and it's so it's not. Um, you know, by any means, a hopeless situation. Yeah. Uh, things are happening here in Minneapolis that the times we're in right now only speaks to clarify that. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. I I was curious about you know what sort what sort of integration you had from in a big. Yeah, a big part of bringing me back here to Minneapolis was was this family that I had mm-hmm. found uh, in Harmony Park, mm-hmm. um, which is for those who are not familiar with Harmony Park, it's a it was a, it was, it's a festival grounds or um, in 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 different ways it's it's a 
what do you call it, an event space. And uh, that had really opened my eyes to the, the, the people that were here that were able to think a little bit differently about things and mm. were more open to the idea of permaculture. And, yeah. And so just, just, just being in that space and knowing that there are other people um, that do care about these things, that was um, really in, important in, in, in me saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I'm, I'm wondering, is, is, I wonder if that's the first place that we met. Was that maybe gathering the guilds that was at yeah, Har- Harmony that, Park? Yeah, that was at Harmony Park. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, that sacred grove of oaks and just a beautiful area. and Yeah, yeah. It's just that, that community that's there. It's, that's how we felt, too. It was like we were out west, and it seemed like everywhere you go, there's, there's people talking about this, doing beautiful things, and doing this work and you come back to the Midwest and all you see is corn and soybeans everywhere. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right? And uh, yeah, not too many dreads either. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. That you were able to find that. I mean, yeah, the story is so similar for Megan and I too, of, you know, coming back to our roots that, that return and, you know, where our family was and this, the soil, that we were initially rooted in because, you know, we were really feeling the call to, to bring some of that back, back to the Midwest. And, you know, the more we've dug in to what's here, the more gold we've found in these incredible mm-hmm. relationships in this community. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah. Well, I know that you've, you know, in, you know, since coming back to Twin Cities, I know that you've, you know, stayed involved in, in food systems and food movement and, you know, um, with, you know, producing and I know beekeeping, you want to talk about some of those experiences and, you know, what that's, you know, how that's brought you to where you are right now. Yeah. Um, let's see. So when I, when I did come back and, and I had been working for a while, um, I, I, I wanted the, I wanted to, keep on farming but I was kind of unsure how as I I was living in the city Mm -hmm. and access to land was not necessarily easy so I one of the skills that I had learned in my travels was beekeeping and so I (laughs) I I set out to start my own beekeeping business and it it turns out that that is a little bit harder than just 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 the basis of starting a a business is it's kind of daunting um and but i was involved here i was involved with another project like i said before i'm I'm not gonna name names here but um it was an organization that was supposed to help young entrepreneurial uh, regenerative agriculture um, people to uh, give them a space to try out their ideas and their business ideas and and see if they work. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so I was really excited to become a part of, of that. Yeah. Um, And it, it kind of fell through. 
<laughs> for the reasons that I've said before of, of not people not having uh, clear guidelines as yeah. for conflict resolution and, mm -hmm. and the uh, being able to work together uh, for for change. Yeah. And so that 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 kind of fell through, and it was it was the space that I was using, and also uh, eventually it 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 became something that I didn't want to be um, a part of anymore. So I yeah. stopped. I I stopped trying to to do that on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I did end up working with another beekeeping organization called the bees knees and they're, they're a local business out of Minneapolis here and mm -hmm. they are awesome. Um, it's, it's a woman owned business mm -hmm. and, and she, she is absolutely fantastic. I, I learned so much in my many years working with her. I think it's four years now or so, but mm -hmm. they're, they've, they've been great. Um, uh, yeah, are you, are you still working with Christy? I am not. She just bought a farm kind of out near, near you guys. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, right. Yep. So she's kind of moved most of her operations out there. Right. Yeah. Cause um, they've been doing value added stuff now too. Yep. So yeah, and you know, I wish all the best for her. I, mm -hmm. I hope I hope to go out and visit her space again when um, all of this strange weirdness is over. Should come um, on a bike tour. <laughs> yeah, right. come by our place too. That would be that would that would be excellent. Yeah, um, and see. dress dress yeah. like a bee. Yeah, right. <laughs> as, as as far as other things that I was doing. Um, I, uh, I've, I've hosted several natural building courses, mm -hmm. um, and those have, those have been great. Um, I haven't done very many of them, but um, those, those were, people seem to be really interested in those. And, and again, that is, is hard because you need somebody that has the space and wants this thing and there's a whole bunch of organizing organizing that really needs to go into to, to, to things like that. Yeah, uh, de definitely. As, as as you probably know, <laughs> as I do. Yep. You know, that's that's cool though that you've you know been bringing some of those skills that you gathered out west and other places yeah. and are sharing them here in the local trying community. To, yeah, to, yeah. You have been, and I I feel like that's how we. We all connected too. Um, you, I certainly remember you talking about natural building and leading workshops, and that yeah, was just awesome because you know, from our experience being out west, natural building was like everywhere out there. Yeah, it was, you know, yeah, people are is. crazy about Cobb, and mm -hmm. you come out to the Midwest, and you know, things are different here. Climate, you know, and the climate's different. There's different things going on, but it really kind of opened our eyes to to the opportunities that we have here that are unique and different too. So I'm glad that you're just carrying that torch. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, so yeah, so you've been doing the beekeeping and, and natural building and, you know, you work in grocery too and, you know, getting food to the people and, you know, maybe that kind of brings us up to, to where we are now and unless there's anything else you want to add and, you know, t- tell us a little bit more about this work that you're doing right now and especially, you know, on, on the, the kind of tail end of some intensity with the pandemic you know, being on the front line, getting food to the people. And now yeah. with what's going on in the Twin Cities at, at, you know, right outside your doorstep, you know, give us, give us a little rundown of what's going on for you. Yeah, it's really been an un- unprecedented time. And so I, I work in the, in the grocery business. I work at Trader Joe's and it, with the whole, uh, let me start with the whole COVID situation. Um, as when this first started, I think it was, I think we really started implementing policies in the, in the groceries. Well, when, when this whole COVID situation really happened, people went crazy. They bought out the entire store and it was really a whole bunch of panic buying. And, What I what what that really, and the, it, when the shelves were empty, people people really started to get scared, and you know um, what it what it what it shows is really um, how fragile our current food system is because all that it takes is you know one or two days of no trucks to a store. And its shelves are going to be empty, even even if there's not a crisis epidemic situation going on. That this food is not food is not made by the grocery store. It, it comes in from far, far away, and is has many food miles to to, to get where it needs to go. So it's it's really a, a kind of a miraculous. Um, thing that we can have bananas in Minnesota or, you know, at, at 19 cents a piece or, you know, or, or, or what, just from how far this food is traveling. But anyways, from, from, from the panic buying situation, it was really, they implemented, we implemented policies to limit the number of people in the store. So then there's lines. And really something that I had never had thought that I would ever be doing is bouncing a grocery store. Uh, and that was, <laughs> that was very difficult because yeah. there's a lot of people that, <laughs> you know, for whatever reason, feel like they're entitled to not wait in line to get some groceries. So... Um, dealing with people really, uh, the, the general public, it was, it's, it's stressful. And especially in a situation where you don't know who has what, or, you know, everyone is potentially carrying this, um, this, this thing. <laughs> and, um, and just, just to put it in 
um, perspective as, as a, as an essential worker, um, it is, it really became apparent that I was taking the, um, you know, the, the, I was putting myself in danger to provide food to people, um, to provide them with safety. So I was putting myself in, in a danger, dangerous situation, however you want to quantify that or, or whatnot. And that's, but that's how people were looking at me, um, and, and treating me, um, and, 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 so it became very apparent of the social structures of our society um, while calling people heroes for um, it, it and let me say this like any any time that the word hero kind of gets thrown around it it's, 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 should be a, a flashing warning sign if if if, <laughs> if, if if they're just doing their job yeah um so a lot of people in knowing in in my situation as essential workers are working for minimum wage mm-hmm. without health care mm-hmm. and putting themselves at risk um, yeah. for the general safety of the general population yeah and, and they don't have a choice they still need to pay rent yeah um And, 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 and to add to that, to on top of that situation, we come into our current situation, which is there are more, um, there are more minority people working in essential, as essential workers, and there's a, even a higher percentage that they don't have health care and 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 so it's oh it's only <laughs> you know it, it's it's a whole culmination of things that have led us to to where we are right now um a lot of people have been if and if they're not essential workers then they're just straight up out of a job as they have been for several months now and and um, so it's it's no wonder to me that we are in <laughs> the current situation that um that we're in yeah yeah it was yeah it's it's interesting you bring that up too about you know i I didn't use that word front lines lightly when i said that you're on the front lines because you know it's a battle in many different ways and Mm -hmm. you know and also farmers on that front too it's you know small-scale farmers that are growing the majority of you know the real food that isn't going into, you know, CAFO livestock and, you know, ethanol and all the other industrial outputs, um, you know, they're, they're, you know, similar situation, whether it's on that retail side or, or the farming side of, you know, a lot of people out there that are, you know, doing hard work and don't have healthcare. They're not documented. They're, you know, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and, ex- and not to mention, you know, whether certified organic or not exposed to pesticides, herbicides, mm-hmm. all sorts of, you know, unsafe working conditions. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I'd love to know, you know, 
given your experience in, in higher ed, studying food systems, your experience on the ground on small farms, your experience in retail in, in distribution of food, you know, what, what sort of solutions do you see moving forward? And especially, you know, given the context of the current situation in Twin Cities, yeah. you know, for, for, for cities and, and communities to address these problems? Yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's a great question. So for me, the, the, the only way forward, when I, when I look forward, I can't see a future without people growing food where they live in their communities and sharing resources and skills that they have available to keep it living. Um, so what that means is that lawns, I mean, let's, let's start out like the very most simple practical thing that anybody can do is start providing at least some of your own food. Yeah. Um, because when things like this do happen, it's, it's, it's not necessarily, um, it's, it's not necess- a food shortage doesn't necessarily come from a lack of food, but it comes from breakdowns in the food chain supply, yeah. whether that means processing, packaging, or distribution. And, and so this is a very fragile system we're yes. working with here. And, 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 and we can't, we can't rely on that system to continue working in such unstable environments that we're in, um, whether it's social, political, economic, like all of this is, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a cocktail. And so we need to really step up as communities and, and, and work together and provide for ourselves is which this situation is really, really telling me. And also to provide for those who need it the most, who maybe don't have the resources or the knowledge or to, to, to do that. We need, we need to help each other. And that's what being in a community is all about. It's, 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 it's not, looking out for me and mine um it 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 doesn't mean growing all of the food that you need in your own backyard and then and then that's it Mm -hmm. like so many so many permaculture things that i see it's all about Mm self-sustainability and to me that means that's that's missing a huge that's that's missing everything it, you need you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to do that yeah um it which what what is important is to start establishing connections we need to um we need to start reaching out to, and building relationships with those around us as well as building our own skill sets so we can provide something tangible and worthwhile to our local communities where we're living. And what I hope to see for in the future is that, especially in Minneapolis, we have all of these beautiful parks and and, and community spaces that 
when I'm looking around, all I can see from my perspective is I want to see food growing there. Like, this is, for me, this is the only way that we can continue to be here and, and stay here. We need to start helping each other and training each other and, and working with each other to share our resources because the city has an immense amount of resources available to it um, just simply because there's just so many people and so much there's there, there's so much here and we need to to work with that um, and yeah. this is a this is a vision that that I have, I want, I want to see food growing in all of our public parks. Um, and I want to see communities coming together to help those in need. And, um, and, 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 and what, what is, what has really become apparent, especially in this situation is, um, if you haven't read the MPD 150, this is a document specifically about the Minneapolis policing system and alternatives to the policing model, uh, which uh, really sp speaks volumes to me. And it, 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 it is not permaculture necessarily in its, uh, in its, it, it is, it is permaculture based on what it's talking about in, in, in creating our relationships with each other, but it's, um, it's, it's, it's looking at ideas and alternative models to the way we organize ourselves in, in, in the places that we are. And, and it, so if you haven't heard of that, I, I definitely, um, encourage you to check that out. And, and then again, that's MPD 150, the 150. Um, awesome. Well, that's that's very helpful thank you for sharing those resources casey i feel like we could just go on and on talking about this and i know we're we're running out of time here and i, I would yeah. love to have you back on to talk more in depth about some of these things and especially yeah. you know check back in a little while when you know, mm -hmm. things cool down in the cities and mm -hmm. kind of get a more perspective of the bigger picture of food food security than in, in what's going on so you know, just to kind of wrap up, one question I love asking folks on the show is, you know, what, what does freedom mean to you in your life? You know, how, how have you cultivated freedom in your lifestyle? And what, what does that word mean to you? Freedom. <laughs> what does freedom mean? Um, this is a very, very good question. And it, it also seems to be something that everybody seems to have a, a, a differing opinion on as, as to what freedom means. Freedom to me is um, the way the way that we move forward and the way that we as communities, local as grassroots as you can be start to define our rights 
as as communities as a as as a, as a whole and 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 once a community as a whole and this is drawing off of the um uh uh the work of policy and fuegos um and the, the citizens um and the citizens rights um Yeah, the the citizens' rights organization, and in, in in establishing community rights as 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 a whole, so that other entities that might come into this space um, can no longer, because then they're uh, breaking, they're treading on the rights of that community. And um, so, as as far as f freedom, that is that is um, that is what freedom means to me. Is is communities coming together at the grassroots local level and deciding how they want to live and how they want to work together and how they want to move forward in making their own decisions, rather than having decisions being put upon them or um, forcing them to work in certain ways that don't necessarily fit in with how uh, people really, it, 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 rather than working in a system that tries to divide people, we need to bring people together in communities to, to work together and to, to decide their own futures. Uh, and 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 that to me is freedom, in in a nutshell. Yeah, oh, that's beautiful, Casey. Really appreciate you answering that. Um, and I just want to say I really appreciate this conversation we had today, and I appreciate your time and sharing about beautiful work that you're doing in the world, and and being on the front line, getting food to the people, and in times of chaos and. Um, I really hope you stay safe and stay healthy and we'll, we'll talk again soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can I just add one, one thing, the, yeah. um, that if you're interested in, in learning more about the, the, the policy and Fuegos and, and his work in, in establishing community rights, mm -hmm. um, is, is, his website is community rights us. Um, so, there's 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 some interesting stuff there and i've i've found out about him on my travels out west so um excellent well if there's any other resources you want to share you can send them my way and i can you know definitely. include that too great yeah cool thank you so much for having me on here cody it's uh unprecedented time that we're living through and and, and i'm hopeful i uh I I am so thankful to be in the middle of this right now and to to be a part of it and to be able to stand up for for my neighbors and my mm -hmm. community and um I, I feel I feel really blessed and I also feel a responsibility to stand up because if you're not standing up right now you're not with it mm -hmm. uh, if you're being sil silence is not acceptable 
given the current state of things. And yeah. um, we need to, we need to hold all, everybody needs to hold themselves accountable. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes that's hard to look at. Um, and, and, but if, if this is something that troubles you, you need to look hard. <laughs> you need to look hard at yourself. Because this is this is this is this is the future. This is this is where we're going. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, knowing you and, and knowing the experience a little bit more in depth of, of your journey, I, I couldn't think of a better person to be in the middle of that right now. It gives me gives me hope. Thank you. Thank you, Cody. Yeah, really appreciate it. All right, take care, Casey. I'll talk to you again soon. enjoyed this episode and want to hear more like it you can do three simple things right now one you can subscribe to permaculture freedom podcast if you haven't yet number two you can leave a short review for us on itunes and third share this episode with a person in your life you think would enjoy it too thank you i really appreciate your support until next time take care my friend